Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. If you're taking notes this morning, um, the title of this message is So Your Story. So Your Story. We're going to um, start by we're reading from Mark 5 um, verses 1 through to 20 and we're going to read a bit of a story and this morning uh, my message we're kind of in a crossover period so we're we're ending landing the impossible which is the series we've been in for the last uh, few weeks and we're entering why we still love Christmas so this morning we're going to kind of do a bit of both so those of you that are the Scrooges in the room give us a little uh Raise a hand. Oh, let's all boo. Come on. And who's really excited that Christmas is around the corner? I am so excited. Letty is definitely excited. Um, we are going to celebrate Christmas in style this year in One Church Pods Mead. And just a reminder again, like we're calling it Deliberate December. It's an opportunity for us to be able to bring people to church. People love church at Christmas. It's weird. Um, and we're going to make the most of that. We're doing lots of extra bits to make sure that your friends and your family and your colleagues feel comfortable in church. We do every week anyway, but especially so in December. So um, Mark 5 um, verses 1. If you're there in your Bible, say, I'm there. I'm there for the podcast my microphone just cut out they all cheered and we're really excited and they've all brought their bibles and their notebooks and um, they're really getting into it they're already reading it ahead of me they went across the lake to the region of the garrisons that's jesus and the disciples right when jesus got out of the boat a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore not even with a chain for he had often been chained hand and foot but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet no one was strong enough to subdue him night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones i don't know why but i was imagining liam cutting through chains then as I was reading it and I was just weird sorry everybody come back Holy Spirit when he saw Jesus from a distance he ran and fell on his knees in front of him he shouted at the top of his voice what do you want with me Jesus son of the most high God in God's name don't torture me for Jesus had said to him come out of this man you impure spirit then Jesus asked him what is your name my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A huge herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man. 
and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into a boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, which means the 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Turn to the person next to you and say, amazed. Amazed. Oh, very good, Jacob. Very good, Jacob. So good to have you in church this morning, mate. I'm really pleased you're here. Um, in the summer of 1963... 250,000 people showed up in Washington to hear Martin Luther King speak. You know, that famous, famous speech. And you see all those pictures of hundreds of thousands of people just poured into that city. It's absolutely amazing thing to see. And you know what? They, they sent out no invitations. There, there were no, no invitations sent. There was no website to check when it was happening, what time to turn up, anything like that. There was no media coverage of what was going to happen. But for some reason, 250,000 plus people turned up. And you know what it is? The reason why they turned up was because our stories are powerful. For over 10 years, they'd been hearing stories about people like Emmett Till and Rosa Parks. They'd heard of the stories of uh, the Montgomery bus boycott and the, the Little Rock Nine. All these amazing things where people had stood up for their rights and their beliefs. They'd heard these stories. These stories had been passed from family to family. These stories had been passed from neighbour to neighbour until suddenly... 250,000 people thought we need to make sure that we're around because that's the power of stories. That's the power of our individual stories. When we speak of them and when that we share them and when we boast of them, what actually happens is, is people hear our stories and momentum gathers behind those things. It affects other people as well. It's amazing, isn't it? That's the power of stories. And you know what? We, we all have stories. You and I all have stories and we're believing that out of this series that we've been doing called Landing the Impossible, we're believing that more and more stories are going to start to emerge from our lives as we step out in faith, as we believe for those healings, as we believe for those impossible situations to turn around, as we believe for those people that are far off to come home. We, we're believing for God to do impossible things in us and through us. So those stories of how God is changing some of those things in, in your mind and your, your being released more and more to be the full person that you are and as we have stories of just people that are standing firm in their faith and walking through difficult circumstances whether they feel like it or not as we have those stories to tell God's going to transform the world around us because our stories are powerful as we overcome those addictions through the power of Jesus, as, as we, change, we allow him to change our character, as, as we allow God to answer our impossible prayers by praying them in the first place, taking some more crazy risks and doing some more audacious things because we know our God is faithful, we're going to see people transformed and changed. But the truth is this. We often encounter God on a Sunday. We come into church, we encounter God on a Sunday, but then we don't mention it to anybody on Monday. Guilty. 
we walk into this place and we, 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 we feel God's presence and we hear stories of miracles like 600 pounds being given in offerings to do something incredible in a community at Christmas. Look how many people are sat in this room. 600 pounds should not have come through that offer. I was not expecting that much money. But because of what God's doing in us, God's doing working something out of us. And that's incredible, isn't it? That's a miracle. Hello? Get excited. You're part of this incredible miracle. And we, but we don't talk about it on a Monday. We go into work and we go into our homes and, and we don't talk about it on a Monday. We believe God is our healer, but when we hear that somebody's sick, we don't think to pray. Guilty. Right? We experience this amazing life that we have. We know we quote John 10.10 where Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. And we believe that for ourselves and we experience that for ourselves. But we don't want to share it for other people because we don't want to stand out. And we keep it to ourselves. We're quietly confident somewhere else. You know what I mean? We don't share our stories. And I I, I think that it's... um, it's normal human behaviour, okay? It's normal human behaviour and there's two main things that stop us from sharing our stories. So if you're taking notes today, the first one is this. Familiarity. Familiarity. We've become all too familiar with this amazing, incredible God that we have, right? I, I, I've probably mentioned this before, but it frightens me how my journey from like work to home becomes so familiar that I can arrive on my doorstep and have no idea how I got there. Anybody? Even worse than that, I can drive home to Cornwall and have no idea how I got there because it's just automatic. I like it's like autopilot takes over and I'm just I just arrive and I go I don't remember driving anywhere. <laughs> how did I get here? Because familiarity can it's it's amazing, isn't it? That these journeys that used to, I'd have to really concentrate. How do I, when we were moving up to Gloucester, like, how do we get there? Like, this is a motorway, you know, all these things. Like, I'm used to driving up roads that have got grass in the middle of the road. And it becomes exciting. I remember driving around Gloucester. And Gloucester's got weird roads, right? The first time you drive on Gloucester's road, I remember my dad, like, just presuming that you stay in the left lane to go somewhere. Not in Gloucester. They have little arrows on the floor and you have to follow them anyway. And different things like that. He's going, oh, I don't remember that. I'm a perfectly good driver. Thank you. I've never made a mistake in my life. And, uh, but familiarity, we become really quickly, we become familiar with all sorts of things. And I love the verse that Troy used earlier, that God has done marvellous things. But they become so normal, don't they? You, you follow him for just a little short period of time and they become so normal. Become so, which is great. I, I love the fact that my kids come to church on a Sunday and there's lots of crazy people clapping and they're used to being in rooms full of people that are celebrating God and amazing music and all these sorts of things and that's just normal. I love that my kids have little pots of money that they bring to church and they put in the offering because that's just normal to them. But, but there's another side of familiarity that can kill you sharing your story with others. You sowing your story to others. 
We become all too familiar with the God of the impossible. We forget our very relationship with him is impossible. Like, just take that in for a second. Our actual relationship with God, if you see it at face value, is completely impossible. It's completely outrageous. In fact, in Romans 5 verse 6, it says this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. Not any old time, not December the 25th for the rest of eternity. But he came at just the right time. And died for us sinners. Completely impossible. Completely crazy. That the king of heaven. Jesus. God's own son. The man in the story called it out. Straight away he was like. This is the son of God most high. That God came down to earth. Entered our world. Took on the form of man. So that he could be the punishment for us. So that we can live in relationship with him. That we can be filled with God's spirit. And see God work miracles through us. All that creative spirit. That God. It was hovering over the waters. And then brought life to the world God has poured out that same spirit in you and I and we have that on the end that's completely impossible completely ludicrous completely ridiculous but it becomes so familiar it's completely ridiculous that I feel peace all the time that doesn't mean my circumstances aren't poop That doesn't mean that my situation isn't really, really difficult sometimes. And sometimes I get frightened. But when fear comes in, the Prince of Peace comes in all the more. And I'm never overcome because the Prince of Peace is in me, right? The Prince of Peace is on my side. And if God is for me, then who can stand against me? But so many times these things become all too familiar that we forget that there's a world out there that doesn't have that. That doesn't have that experience of peace. That doesn't have that experience of of God just coming in at the right time when I feel like there's no answers and there's nothing I can do. God is there with me and I know, God, if I can't see it, you still can and I trust you anyway. But the world around us doesn't have that experience. I have stories of, of, of God healing me, of healing people through me. And, and I have all these stories. And then I, I, I see people that are going through difficult situations that where they're sick or somebody they love is sick. And, and suddenly I'm all too familiar with the fact that I just text a few mates and say, hey, can you pray for me? But other people out there do not. They don't have that same experience. And we become all too familiar with those things. The second thing is this. That our stories are sometimes unfinished. Our stories are sometimes unfinished. You know what? I think it's okay to share your stories with your friends when they're unfinished. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think like I can only I can only talk about success stories. <laughs> I can only talk about finished results. I can only talk about how God is being faithful to me when it's all put together and it all looks nice and it's all packaged up and it's like, da-da-da-da, and they all lived happily ever after. (laughs) 
But actually, there is amazing, incredible power in sharing your story when it's unfinished. When it's unfinished. And uh, over the last couple of months, I've been... Uh, uh, just at the beginning of September, I'd um, I'd had a bit of a pain in my armpit, and I'd lost some weight. And I went to my consultant because, for those of you that don't know, is just after I had Maya, I um, had cancer and went through, got the all clear. But a little moment happened where I was like, "Oh, that's not quite right," and I've lost a lot of weight. That's not quite right. It's great, but it's but it's not quite right. And uh, so I was like, I'm just gonna get I'm just gonna get it checked out. Just gonna get it checked out. Went to the doctor. The doctor's like, mm, yeah, well, uh, I'm not really worried, but I um, but just because you've lost a lot of weight, we're gonna give you a CT scan anyway. And so I had to wait for a CT scan, which takes forever, and then had to have it. And all the while, in the background, you've got these like I'm going oh. This isn't very nice. This isn't a very nice feeling. And um, and so I've been going through that moment. And this weekend, on Friday, I got a letter through the post that said your CT scan was completely satisfactory. So I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. And, and I mean, they could use a better word than satisfactory. Can I just say? <laughs> Even, I've got to tell them this, even funnier than this, right? So the letter arrives on Friday. It was tipping it down on Friday, wasn't it? So it landed on our doorstep, coming in and out, doing the school run and all that sort of stuff. Liam finds the letter all wet, so he just like opens it because it was all... And he reads the letter, sees that what it says, didn't mention it. <laughs> gets, gets to the evening and he's like, oh, by the way, you had a letter from the doctor. I was like, are you actually joking? I've been, I mean, I, I've been fine. I haven't really been worrying, but there's that subconscious worry that you do constantly. I was like, as if you didn't tell me. Okay. So uh, anyway, that's funny. Um, but that, it was a busy few hours. Yeah, right. It's been a busy few months. Um, and, uh, but I tell you this because what, uh, on, after that, I had to post that the good news had come. Because the truth is, through our journey through that painful season the first time round, so many people in my unfinished story, when I didn't have the all clear, while I was still pumping my body full of poison and it, my hair was still falling out and, and I puffed up like the moon and, you know, <laughs> and everything was difficult. I couldn't look after my kids and it was, I couldn't even come to church some Sundays because the doctor wouldn't let me because you're all too germy and I would get ill. All of these things, when all of that was happening, I kept posting things, not because I wanted to show off, but I wanted to show that God is faithful through the difficult time. God is faithful even when my story is unfinished. God is God and God is my staying power and God is the, the person who pushes me forward and who makes me able to step out when things don't go my way and it's really difficult. Because the power of an unfinished story is incredible. Can I tell you about how many of my school friends, who I never see anymore, messaged me through that season and just said, I don't know how you can trust God, but if you can trust God in this, then there must be something to that. I can't tell you how many people started coming to this church and stayed because every Sunday there was a bit of a story that was being pulled out. 
an unfinished story, but there was something intriguing about somebody that would dare to believe that God was their healer, somebody that would dare to believe that actually we're going to stand firm in this no matter what happens. And I don't say that to show off on my own belief and my own ability to stay faithful because there was plenty of days when I was crumpled in a heap on the floor. But because when we share our stories, whether they're finished or not, people see God. They didn't see me, they saw God in me they saw God keeping me and holding me and making it okay and our unfinished stories aren't our stories they are stories that we should sow they are stories that we should sow familiarity and unfinished two things that stop us from sowing our stories the truth is, we, we often become collectors of stories. Any collectors in the place? Anybody that uh, like to collect things? Oh, oh, few collectors, few collectors. Any, like, absolutely top... You like to collect dupe, right? Look at the collection. It's amazing. So, we have a habit of collecting, right? People just like to collect. I, um, I have... A secret. <laughs> the truth is this. I like to hold things that are memories, you know? Those things. I, I don't have them in my house because I couldn't bear that at all. But in my loft, <laughs> Liam will tell you that there are boxes of things from my childhood. Little trinkets and little memories and little I went here and I went there. Things the, like one or two good school reports that I got. Uh, <laughs> Different things, hilarious pictures that I drew as a kid. Because I like to collect things. Anybody else know what I mean? Good, it's not just me. But people love to collect things. And, and then there's crazy people that spend extortionate money on, on things that they like to collect, which I am not in for that. I think that's weird, right? <laughs> I couldn't spend money, like silly money on things. I just, I just collect tat. And... Um, <laughs> But like, I heard of like stamp collectors, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stamp collectors, that's strange, isn't it, right? <laughs> who, likes, who likes collecting stamps? Do you like collectors? You like collectors? Oh my gosh, unbelievable. But you wouldn't spend this kind of money. Hear this, one got auctioned off um, for 9.4 million pounds. For a tiny little bit of sticky paper. Can you actually believe that? I mean, I'd like to have 9.4 million pounds, let alone spend it on a stamp. It's absolutely crazy. And because the thing is, that stamp is just going to be in like some perspex on display somewhere and it will never fulfill its purpose. <laughs> unbelievable, isn't it? Absolutely unbelievable that it's worth so much, it's co so costly, but it never fulfills its purpose. And it's absolutely mad. But the truth is, our stories are so rich. Some of us have a wealth of stories about how God has done stuff in their life. We're rich, they are valuable, but like the stamp, they never serve their purpose. They know they get stuck on the letter and sent in the post. Because we are collectors of our stories. We become collectors of these amazing things that God has done. We start hoarding the stories for ourselves. 
and we sit on them. Stories of how people have been healed. Stories of how we've just dared to give a little extra and God's done something incredible. Our stories that are painful but have purpose and have Jesus in them. We become collectors of our stories instead of sowing our stories. Nudge the person next to you and say, sow your story. Okay, just need to point out we're not an Anglican church, so try saying it a little bit louder, okay? Nudge the person next to you and say, sow your story. Right, much better. Thanks, Jake. Amazing. Uh, here's here's the, the story in Mark 5. It's a bit of a wild one, isn't it? So there's this man who is naked and in chains. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. You can imagine while I was laughing while I was reading it. Naked and in chains. And he'd broken the chains off and he lives in the tombs. Weird. And he's wandering around and, and nobody can subdue him. He's like hench and he's reckless and he's wild and everybody's afraid of him. He, he, he's petrifying and he is full of demons. It says a legion of demons. That's a lot. I can't remember how much, <laughs> but it's a lot, a lot, and, um, and, and this guy approaches Jesus. Jesus literally lands on a beach, and out comes the naked man, and he's like, and he's angry because the demons in him are cross because they're like, that's Jesus, and he's going to send us away. And so he, uh, he comes before Jesus, and there's this moment, and can you imagine being a disciple for a second? And this moment, they land on a beach, and this man starts to approach, and they're thinking... Why did I follow you, Jesus? <laughs> Do anybody else feel like that sometimes? You walk into a situation with God and you go, why did I follow you here, Jesus? <laughs> this is that, I think that every Sunday. No, I'm joking. And, um, <laughs> but <laughs> all of you are like, ha, 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 uh, uh. <laughs> And um, they're in this situation and, and Jesus does what Jesus does because Jesus sets free people he, he truly sets free the prisoners see this man with the demons that were within him were able to break the chains that man had put on him but they weren't he wasn't able to break the chains that the enemy had put on him but Jesus when Jesus walks into the place when Jesus steps onto the bay of your life he says come out and it goes that is who God is and I want to raise your faith this morning you might have been disappointed by God not answering your prayer but God is God and God is able and he is going to and he will and he does want to right and he steps onto the beach and says come on get out sends the demons into pigs I'm really sorry but he sends the demons into pigs and they rush down the hill into the lake the poor pigs I know I do feel bad for the pigs so the sows um <laughs> sows pig isn't it uh, and then in verse 18 so this man is in this situation <laughs> it was a slow burner wasn't it <laughs> It doesn't matter. It's not a joke. Right, come back. In verse 18, the man has been healed. The man has now been fed. The man has now closed. The man is in, uh, like, has had this incredible, incredible miracle happen. And then Jesus is about to leave again with the disciples. And the people come out and they see this man and they're like, this is weird. And they, I can't believe it says it, but it says that he was 
They, the people were afraid. The people were afraid. And they, because they didn't understand it. They just heard of what happened and they didn't understand it. And then the man is like, he's just had this incredible miracle. And can you imagine how thankful you'd be to Jesus? You'd want to follow him all the rest of your days, wouldn't you? you wanna, you'd want to follow him everywhere and, and want to be close to him because like, there's safety in that. There's, you've just experienced your healing and that's the source of my healing. So I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I want to be, let me come with you, he says. So he, like the disciples are getting in the boat and then he's like, oh, one for, room for one more. You ever had that awkward moment? Oh, you're not actually invited uh, sorry kids get back in the house mummy and daddy are going out now and um and uh, it's that kind of situation where he's like I want to be in the boat with you Jesus and Jesus says no 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 go back to where you came from and tell your story to everyone in verse 18 it says as Jesus was getting into the boat the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him but Jesus sends him away and says, go back to where you are from and tell your story to everyone. How often does God do a miracle in our lives and we just want to stay with the miracle? We want to just stay in that miracle moment. We just want to stay in it. And that's when we become collectors, right? Because that's, that's often what happens. This is a comfortable thing. I want to keep it just in case. Anybody got those just in case drawers at home? Just in case. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep it just in case. And this moment, the, the, the man was in this situation where he had to decide to not just hold on to the just-in-case moment and not become a collector of his story, but to sow his story, to sow his story with the place that he came from, to sow his story with the people that were around that would be amazed to see the transformation in his life, to tell him that this didn't just happen by accident, but there is a God who was the author of this. Imagine it. And he'd have felt un underqualified as well. I've been running around naked and attacking people and living in tombs. How am I possibly qualified to talk about something so amazing as God healing me? Completely underqualified. But Jesus sends him, nonetheless, go and tell, go and tell. Go and tell. So Jesus leaves and, and what we find, if you skip forward two chapters to Mark chapter 7, what's absolutely incredible is, is Jesus turns back up to this same place. And so when he first turned up, nobody turned up. And everybody was afraid because they were afraid of, of this miracle that had happened. They couldn't get their heads around it. They couldn't understand it. But this man, this one man who'd met his miracle, had started to sow his story, had started to tell his story, had started to make sense to people what had happened to, to tell all these people. And remember that this area was called the Decapolis, the people of the Decapolis, which means 10 cities. So 10 cities full of people this man went to and started to declare his story and started to declare the goodness of this Jesus the Messiah who had come the God most high son had come and healed him and he started to share this story and now in Mark chapter 7 when Jesus again arrives on the shore guess who he's greeted with 
Thousands and thousands of people from these ten cities had come out to see the one who had healed that man because he chose to sow his story. Could it be possible that as we share our stories that people would gather on the shores of our lives, that would gather in these places that we have on Sundays and and different areas. They'd gather because they're like, there's something to this story that I've heard. There's something to this Jesus. There's something to this story of how you've been healed. If God can do that for you, what can he do for me? If God can move like that in that person's life, surely there's something to this. And as we sow our stories, as we as we tell people of our pain and how God has transformed it, as we tell people of our difficulty and how God has come in, if we just tell people that once I was dead in my sin, but now I'm alive in Christ, and we sow those stories of how God has just met us in our time of need while we were still dead in our sin, Christ Jesus died for us. As we share those things, Could it be possible that there would be gatherings on the shores of our lives that have come out to see Jesus? One man, ten cities transformed. One man, ten cities fills a bay full of people. One man's story. One man's one story. How many stories do you have? Story after story after story. I'm not talking about your full life history of how Jesus has impacted you. But you know that one story? I know that Brenda shared a story recently with somebody on the phone. Just quickly. And it's transformed, it's done something amazing, started something amazing, right? I know that different people in this room, I know that Troy in his workplace has shared a story When somebody says, this is going wrong for me, he says, hey, I know how to help that. Let me just text some of my friends. We're going to pray. Started a story. That guy's like, hmm, something to this. We've heard James share story after story in his workplace. We've heard different people in this room share story after story about how God just turned up. It's just a small story, just like a seed. But we all know what happens to that tiny little seed when it's planted in soil. Outgrows something absolutely extraordinary. So my challenge to you is that this Christmas, we'd get our stories ready. Just like we're all preparing our houses right now, just like Andy is getting his uh, dining room decorated just in time to put the decorations up and Heidi spending money on new tables and stuff. Uh, just, as, just as we're all doing that, because we all are, aren't we? We're all doing it at the moment, getting our houses ready for Christmas decorations and stuff. Let's get our stories ready. Let's get our stories ready because God wants to use not just our gifts this Christmas, but he wants to use our stories. I'm I'm guaranteeing that there's going to be opportunity after opportunity for us over these Christmas um, Sundays that we've got and the different events that we're doing as we deliver the hampers that you need your stories ready because it's your stories that will make the difference as we sow our stories. And you know, just in the beginning of Matthew... um, it's really intentional that the writer, Matthew, by the way, he uses a genealogy, okay? He says, right, this is who, where Jesus came from. This is the line of Jesus and, and uses lots of um, 
lots of names of people in Jesus's line and he goes through them one after the other one after the other until it arrives at Jesus's birth right and and to begin with it just looks a bit weird and a bit like you know that's a list of names let's skip past that and get to the good bit right Mary mother of Jesus (laughs) and start there but actually what I love about these the people that Matthew has chosen to include in this brilliant introduction to who Jesus is this baby that's going to arrive on the scene this baby that we celebrate at Christmas that that is the light of the world that was God's son that he sent to us and in the line of Jesus Matthew chooses different names to the ones that we might expect he, he highlights the ones that you'd least expect to be on there. You've got to understand this was in the Jewish, um, in this time in history, women were not at the top of the list, okay? They were not emancipated. They were not, um, they were not people that were mentioned. It was always the man. It was always the man and, and it was belittled and, and, and less than human actually treated like that most of the time. And I love that how Matthew uses some amazing people. He chooses to speak of people like Tamar and Rahab. Tamar and Rahab were prostitutes. Their stories weren't glorious ones apart from what God had done in them and through them. That God had chosen to use something that would be considered completely shameful and then you've got Bathsheba Bathsheba was the woman that David looked out of his balcony and thought oh yeah I like her only trouble was that she was married and so David chose to send somebody to accidentally kill Uriah his her husband And that's the kind of story because King David was celebrated, right? And King David did put it right and said sorry and got before God and said, what have I done? But here in this part of the Bible, we're not choosing to forget that. You know, those things, we'll choose to forget. We won't mention, we won't bring that one up. You know, that awkward thing when you're sat around the dinner table at Christmas and somebody accidentally uses that trigger word that's going to start off a whole conversation that you do not want to get into. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And um, but, but Matthew chooses to bring it in to, to remind us of Bathsheba and to remind us of Bathsheba's pain that her, her first son with David died and then King Solomon came. He chose to, to bring that about actually because what Matthew's trying to show us here is that there is purpose in your pain. Trying to show us that God can use the most painful parts of our story. In fact, He can use your worst days to bring about the best days. He chose to use names like Boaz and Ruth. Now, Bo- Boaz was a Jewish man and Ruth was a Gentile woman. They should never have been together. She, she, was, she was an outcast because of where she was born and who she was born to. But God brings Ruth into his great story. God brings these people who are unfinished in their stories. He brings people who, who have questionable character, 
who have questionable history, who have questionable stories, and God chooses to bring those people into the setup for God's story, God's great story that's fulfilled in Jesus. God says, I'm going to use your seed from your story, Bathsheba. I'm going to use the seed from your story, Ruth. I'm going to use this seed from your story, David, although you were a murderer. I'm going to use the, the seed from your story, Tamar and Rahab, though you've spread it around everywhere. I'm going to use the seed from your story. I'm going to bring it into my story. And as you sow your story for my glory, I'm going to introduce you and, and make you a part of the story that I'm going to sow, says Jesus. then Jesus responds by sowing his story into our story and then just before he goes to heaven he says now go to the ends of the earth and sow your story sow your story because your story is my story sow your story sow your story Somebody hadn't taken the time to sit next to my parents and sew their story. This wouldn't be happening right now. If somebody hadn't taken the time to to go out into your neighborhood and introduce you to Jesus and sew their story to your story, you wouldn't be sat here right now. So now it's your turn. Or it's your turn again to sew your story. Because your little tiny story of a little tiny seed can do something absolutely incredible can grow something absolutely phenomenal Jesus we thank you God that you invite us into your story despite our pain or despite our past despite our questionable characters and and the mistakes that we've made you invite us into your story And God, and then you give us an even greater invite, and that is to sow our story. And God, I pray that this Christmas we would be bold and daring and audacious to sow our stories. God, to sow um, a glimpse of you and what you've done in our life, a glimpse of what your word says and what you've done in our life, Father. And that as we sow those things, as we sow those stories, Lord God, that you are going to germinate and water and give life to those seeds. And those seeds, Lord God, would bring about a great harvest that other people would then be introduced to your story and so right now Lord God I pray that you would bring to mind those stories that you would bring to mind Father those things that you have done those miracles that you've done God those those moments in time where you Lord God have just come in and changed things around And God, that as we share our story, just like the man in Mark 5, Lord God, that by chapter 7, there would be beaches full of people that now know that there is a God in heaven that loves them so much and that wants a relationship with them. So God, I pray you stir up that audacious spirit to sow our stories. And God, I just pray that if there's anyone in here that that is sat right now thinking that's all good but I don't have a story I know you're real God and and that's amazing 
but I don't have those stories of how God you've done these small but impossible things all these big and impossible things so I can't share my story because that's it God I pray now by your spirit that you will cut down that lie and God that you would help us to take more risks so that we have the stories to tell to risk taking you at your word when you say you'll do this to risk allowing ourselves to be uncomfortable and and feel some pain but so that you can be glorified God to take the risk and trust that you are our healer to take the risk and trust that you are our provider to take the risk and step out in faith because that person across the room does want to know you God I pray God that you would help us to take those risks to spot the opportunities and take those risks so that you can land the impossible in our life in Jesus name Amen